Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I am your host, Sean Fry, Managing Sports Editor of the Parson Sun and Shoot Tribune. Joining me, another first-time guest, dragging him in by his ears, kicking and screaming, Tanner Forrest, the Parsons High School athletic trainer. Tanner, welcome to the show. Always great to have you. I, I, you're a guy I talk a lot with when I go and cover Parsons games because you're on the sidelines with me. Uh, finally, great to have you in. Welcome to the show. I appreciate the invite. Awesome to have you. Tanner is a uh, front-neck native uh, who studied at Missouri State. Uh, uh, he briefly worked for a year as the athletic trainer at Fort Scott Community College uh, before taking the job as the Parsons High School's athletic trainer. It's a position that is employed by Labette Health, so to speak. Take the uh, take the public through kind of that arrangement, how it looks, what the benefits are of having like essentially a hospital-backed employee serving as the athletic trainer. And I'm and I know to a degree that's common, especially at schools like Parsons. Uh, yeah, for smaller high schools, especially in this area, um, southeast Kansas, there's a lot of outreach that goes on. Um, a lot of it is through Freeman. I know Little Bit of Health is starting to reach out a little bit more and trying to get to more places. But um, as far as the benefits go, um, it's very nice to have two support systems, essentially, where you're hired through, I am hired through Labette Health, and I have that support system who is, you know, available to talk to me about any and all employing type of things and then I am also at Parsons High School and I'm supported by all of the full administration athletic director principal vice principal and am able to communicate with them and kind of work through both sides of that um, and to mediate that relationship um, but yes I am hired directly through Labette Health and Labette Health contracts with Parsons High School and vice versa to um, have me there full time uh, I'll ask you almost a cliche question right off the bat Tanner this is your first high school job as an athletic trainer you spent one year at Fort Scott Community College and you made the jump over here to high, to the high school level what you were a high school athlete at Frontenac High School uh you've been engulfed in athletics uh your entire life what's something you maybe learned about athletics or athletic training something you've learned about an area of life you've been involved with for so long over these last two years what's something that's just kind of cropped up in your mind that maybe you didn't realize or, or just an evolution that you've had? Um, so I spent two years at Fort Scott. Um, two, two years, years and some Scott. change, yeah. So 19, 20 school year and then 20, 21 school year and then through the summer. Okay. Um, and then I came over here to Parsons. I apologize um, for that. I thought it was right. just the one season. That's all right. Um, I said, when you get through COVID and, and everything kind of runs together, I said, we got into the 2020 football season and then, COVID really flared up, so we kind of had to shut everything down and move things to the spring, and it was a cluster. So, um, yeah, it all kinds of runs together. I, I forget how long I've been in places, too, so don't worry about it. Um, no, as far as, as Parsons is is a very interesting place. It's a different place than I think that I've ever been to and lived in before. Um, I moved from Frontenac to Springfield, Missouri, um, going to college, so that was a big transition moving to a big, a bigger city than I've been used to. You mm-hmm. talk to people that live in St. Louis and other places, and they would say that Springfield is little yeah. compared to where they're from. Um, so it was a big, big adjustment. But even moving from there back to Fort Scott and even to here, um, it's totally different environments everywhere you go. Um, and it's taught me a lot about um, just kind of being open to everyone um, and ensuring that you're not you're not looking at surface level. I said people are people, and you're not. Um, just you can't you can't tell speaking of cliches a book by its cover you can't judge yeah. a book by its cover so 
um, just ensuring that, you know, talking to people and, and getting to know people much more than what meets the eye. One thing that uh, I don't know if challenge is the right word to describe it, but I'm sure kind of a lay of your job when you get to the high school ever compared to, compared to college specifically is when you were the athletic trainer at Fort Scott, all the athletes there were college athletes. They were much more familiar with the landscape of athletics, so to speak, and how athletic training fits into that puzzle. So while I'm sure there were battles of getting athletes into the training room as required or as needed, uh, that was more probably a motivation thing. Whereas if you need to take care of certain athletes for preventive measures, whatever at per, whatever services an athletic trainer is going to provide your average high school athlete, there's probably a lot more education when it comes to that. Because there, there's kids, and there's no knock on this, but there's kids that are there. They're just there to play. They don't have they don't have aspirations to be a college athlete or anything. They're just there to play, and that's what. To me, that's the core purpose that the school serves for with its athletic program. How do you approach those kids from that educational standpoint? Um, you'd be surprised at how many of those kids there actually are at the junior college level that, you know, a lot of kids think about, you know, the kids, even the ones coming from out of state, they come from, a lot of them come from small towns and they have never had any exposure to athletic trainers at all. Or, you know, have had, you were at a bigger school and looked at an athletic trainer as a negative thing where if I ever go talk to this person, they're going to sit me out for two weeks and I'm not going to be able to play. I'm not going to be able to, you know, show up and show out on the field. And so that's the first biggest piece of education for any athlete that has mm -hmm. to come see you is ensuring that, you know, you are on their side and that you want them to play. Like, I want to see all of my kids succeed and do well on the field and not have to stand next to them on the sideline on any given mm -hmm. day. Um so that's the biggest piece as far as education goes. Um, but yeah, like these kids are, they're smart and they're, they, they listen and they pick things up very quickly, a lot quicker than I thought that they did initially when I initially was going to go from junior college to high school. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if you explain things to them, then they pick things up and they do them and they understand that, um, it is important to take care of your body and you can't just ignore things for weeks and weeks and expect them to get better. So, um, one thing that you, you brought up something that I hadn't directly thought of, but is something I might want to pry you on a little bit is that kind of, uh, that nature, so to speak of, I mean, it, it, it's a culture that even exists in professional sports of, you know, if you don't, earn your playing time in the training room. I, I, I personally think that's a little backwards, so to speak. It's a little counterproductive to athlete health. Uh, and, but there, it, it's hard to deny that at the same time, you and I can sit here and talk about NFL or NBA players and say they're injury-prone, and injury-prone is, is a negative to their value to a professional organization. And how that scales down to the college and high school levels, you know, the kids still see that. The athletes still see that culture there you you don't want coaches promoting that culture too much uh but at the same time you don't and i'm sure you don't want to put an athlete back on the field in an unsafe way how do you kind of balance how do you how do you kind of battle that uh that stereotype so to speak in your job um a lot of it comes from um just having really good communication with coaches and ensuring that um coaches are gonna demand the best from every athlete and they want them to be on the field and, and when they're not doing their best or they're not on the field, um, you know, there's always going to be that piece of, of a coach who wants to be the best and put their best players on the field to, you know, hey, why are you not out there? Hey, what are you doing? Why are you not, you know, get, get out here and let's go. 
but ensuring that you have good communication with coaches and that they understand that right the same concept is I'm not trying to hold anybody out of anything. Mm-hmm. If they don't have to be, I'm not going to. So if it's better for the athlete to sit, then I'm going to tell the athlete that, hey, you know, we need to we need to pull it back. We need to sit down and tell the coaches that, you know, I can get them back to you in a week. If you give me, you know, three days of rest and through the weekend, that's five mm-hmm. days of rest. and That's a different schedule for high school. But if you give me this amount of time, I can get them back to you in just as good a shape or better mm-hmm. if you just give me a little bit of time rather than trying to rush and rush and push and push through. Um, but, yeah, just ensuring that coaches have the understanding that we are all on the same team. I am not playing for a different team. I'm yeah. not <laughs> playing for somebody else, and it doesn't you – know, I'm, I'm on your side, and we are all in this to mm-hmm. win the game, to win games, and to put athletes on the field to succeed. That communication process and those relationships that you have to have with those coaches – how has that process gone here at Parsons? I know you've had, I mean, there's a few sports that have changed coaches since you've been here. There's another one that's about to with soccer. Uh, how has that process undergone? Have, have, I mean, if you're going to name drop, name drop, I'm not going to stop you, but I'm not asking you to either. But uh, have any coaches, have you experienced any resistance one way or the other? Or has everybody been pretty, uh, you know, receptive uh, to that approach? All of my Parsons coaches have been super super you can put about the away <laughs> no, no no i'm i'm serious all of my coaches here have been um super, extremely supportive and super appreciative and it makes me just as appreciative of them for being so easy to work with and un- understanding that you know we have a common goal um i have gotten almost no pushback i will name drop um because he's this goes back to jeff shabby being one of the biggest competitive guys that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Parsons football coach, the Parsons football listeners. coach, Jeff, Sh- Jeff Shiby, he's a, he's a different animal when he gets onto the field and gets into his coaching, his coaching mindset. Yeah. It has to be when it's hot outside, he wants to go and he wants to go and he wants to go. But when it's hot, like we, there's the mandates that we have, you know, we have to slow down. We it's have mandated to take break. Vacation. It's not, so yes. it's not, so I'm not just making things <laughs> up. Yeah. I'm not just pulling it out. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, goes to him wanting to be you know to get the most out of his time but having to you know kind of pull the reins and say hey coach we gotta we gotta slow down we gotta Mm -hmm. that's been the only pushback and it's just because he wants to be he's so driven to do the things that he wants to do but i would imagine he's a healthy and he has a healthy enough personality and approach to his job as a whole that yes in that acute sense you might get a little resistance in in that 30 second window but I mean, it's it's over and gone with, and he's and he's oh, and he's not just receptive; he's enthusiastic about the breaks once he gets to that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. I say it's it's a lot of things that I'll, I'll work with him with on time and doing things and give him an extra thirty seconds or forty five seconds here if you know you give me a little bit of time back over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, even like Jeff knows when he gets that way, and he's gone as far to apologize to me, which is unnecessary <laughs> because I I mean I know. I understand. Yeah, I get it. I understand the mindset and where he wants to go with things. So for sure. Well, hey Tanner, we're going to go to a quick break. uh, But when we come back, more Tanner Forrest, the Parsons High School athletic trainer, here on the War Room. I'm your host Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the War Room. I'm your host Sean Fry. Tanner Forrest, the Parsons High School athletic trainer, making his debut on the War Room. One of what I'm sure will be like a dozen appearances over the next year because he just loves being in here so much. Super comfortable. Right at home, right in his environment, right in his wheelhouse. Uh, Tanner, I, you know, I, we talked a little bit before the show about some topics we were going to go over. One thing that, you know, struck me uh, and struck a lot of people in the athletic world 
this past calendar year was uh, the injury to Demar Hamlin, uh, the Buffalo Bills safety uh, who uh, whose heart stopped on the field during a Monday Night Football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. He had to be taken to the hospital. He was, you know, reportedly revived on the field. Uh, you you might want to correct me on this pronunciation. I believe it was Camosio Cordis that he ended up. That was ended up being what uh, he was diagnosed with. Is I guess is the best term that yep. ended up being the event that caused him yep. uh, to experience cardiac arrest. Uh, he's been cleared to resume full football activities now, so we can comfortably say that he, you know, it, it had a happy ending. But a lot of people were, you know, shaken throughout the athletics world when that happened. We saw how vulnerable athletics could be. We know football is a particularly dangerous sport. We know football has it, it's had a lot of microscopes on it over the over the better part of the last twenty years. A lot of it's been focused on head trauma and concussions, uh, but. Specifically with Demar Hamlin, uh, you know, you you saw the Buffalo Bills athletic training staff rush right onto the field and be there. One thing that Jason Kelsey said on his podcast with his brother Travis Kelsey, New Heights, great podcast by the way. Even if you're not a Chiefs or Eagles fan, I would highly recommend it. It's super, it's funny, it's really insightful. One thing Jason Kelsey said that struck me was, and I, it's his perspective as a football player was, outside of a hospital. He probably suffered cardiac arrest in one of the best places possible because there's a hospital staff right there. How, when you saw that happen, how did you, from your perspective as an athletic trainer, how did you digest that event? Um, it was very scary. Um, it is such a strange and freak occurrence that it's just something that you never expect to see ever. You see it in a book. You see it one time. You learn about it back in school. And then it's, you know, kind of stored away back in file Z way in the back of the brain <laughs> that you never think that you'll ever see it ever. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to figure out what was going on and, you know, how they got out there. And it, you, know, it, you could tell from the urgency of the people going on or the, you know, the people coming out and the people mm -hmm. acting that it was something very, very serious. Um, it wasn't just, you know, he had lost his balance or lost, you know, some kind of lost consciousness because of, you know, a, a stoppage of blood flow or something weird. It was something very, very serious. Um, but you, when you go talk about uh, Jason Kelsey's comment, that is a very, very real thing is you have um, at least two doctors, full doctors, plus athletic trainers who are likely doctors of as well. Yeah. And another at least, I would say, six or eight full-time athletic trainers that are on the sidelines ready to go. Yeah. Um, from neurosurg, from you, I mean, you have an independent neurologist that mm -hmm. is there for like talked about head injuries. And but, I would imagine most neurologists are medically trained to. Be, I would you say know, that to provide they, emergency care and something like that. Oh yeah. yeah, they may not be able to super diagnose, but they are there for you know. I would say that most doctor, most mm -hmm. neurologists, if not all of them, would be able to step in and and execute anything you could possibly need CPR. in, in, emer <laughs> yeah. in yeah, an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's incredible the access that the nfl has to exquisite health care mm -hmm. um at the at their fingertips every single day of the season and of the year you know one thing that uh struck me one thing so when I, when that happened and i was kind of sitting through the week uh you know doing my job as a as a sports writer i you know one thing that we're taught in our industry a lot is when something big like that in national happens and it can be in any industry. It can be, you know, some. It can be some stimulus package that's passed by the U.S. Congress, or it can be something like Demar Hamlin's injury. 
we're taught at especially at papers like the Parson Sun, localize it. How do you, you know why does it matter to why does it matter to Rob Barkus specifically that uh, with regards to Demar Hamlin's injury? And so my thought process went to hmm, what if that happened at a Parsons High School football game? What would happen? Obviously, I know that Tanner is there, and Tanner is probably going to be the one to take charge of the scene and uh, you know come up with you know the the game plan, so to speak. But and and that was the story I did was I did the story of how schools you know what case of mandates are in place, which isn't much other than uh, and you might I I don't want to say it wrong. I know every football coach, every head football coach in the state has to be certified in CPR. I don't know if it's every head coach of every sport. I think it is. I believe it's more broad than just football. It yes. should be more. It, I, I, don't, I can't I, imagine they would have been that specific. Yeah, I can't say that yeah. I know the exact terminology either. But I believe I it's every head coach. More broad than needs, just football, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's every sport because I remember talking to Pat Shiby about it, and he's yeah. the girls' basketball coach at Parsons. Uh, so, talking. So, that's a good stopgap for what are what I found out was a big uh, detriment to uh, to Kansas, which is a little shy of 50%. It's in the 40s. About 40 to 45% of schools in Kansas do not have an athletic trainer on staff. It's way more a problem at your very small 1A schools than it is when you get to 4A and above, but there are schools in the SEK League that don't have an athletic trainer. When I did the story, Fort Scott had an active opening for one. Now that means they were trying to hire someone to bring one in, but they didn't have one on staff at the moment. Uh, I believe Labette County is without one right now. I believe, I think Coffeyville might not have one. Uh, yeah, there was a gentleman there last year, but I'm not sure if he's coming back. I know that he's he's yeah. tried to retire once or twice now, and I'm not sure if he's not <laughs> and then sure what his, happened. And they said hell no. <laughs> I'm not sure what his status is at the moment. But that was what struck me was you know was I surprised that Chautauqua High School didn't have an athletic trainer? Probably not. But was I surprised the number was 40 percent? A little bit. Now, just to give you some an idea. That we're actually, Missouri and Nebraska are a little better than us. They're in like the high 30s. I think Nebraska and I think Colorado is even in like the 20s. But Oklahoma is in like the 60s when it comes to percentages. So we're, we're in that 40 to 45% was around the mean when it came to the country. Kansas isn't an outlier one end of the spectrum or the other. I'm curious how you kind of maybe thought of that in the immediate aftermath of that DeMar Hamlin injury, obviously a lot of focus was put onto the value of athletic trainers. You, you experience uh, what you, probably that 40% on a somewhat consistent basis. I'm curious how you kind of digest that. Uh, yeah, I see it regularly. Just even just thinking through our football schedule, there's a, a number of, there's a couple of schools that, you know, have one athletic trainer that they split between the two of them. So, you know, if they have one team has a home game and the other team also has a home game, then it's, you kind of land one place to the other, um, but it, it ends up carrying a lot of uh, a lot of liability, and a lot of um, uneasy. In my mind, it's uneasiness is just mm-hmm. knowing that there's a football game going on and there's you know grown kids, you know people that have hit puberty and they're yes. fully grown people that are running into each other and making tackles and doing things that is very very dangerous that the human body is not really meant to do. Um, and there are times that there's those places they have you know an ems on call where that they know ems knows that there's a game going on but they don't always have that ems can't just stop and park and watch the game and 
be ready to go even if there is not an even if there is or isn't an athletic trainer there. So mm-hmm. um, I'm in a position where I'm very very fortunate to have um, EMS that shows up every single home game every Friday night um, mm-hmm. and is there the entire game JV games too um, on Mondays and Tuesdays um, and then to have um, the luxury of Dr. Mosier um, who's been coming to games for. I don't even know, 30, 40 years at this point. Part of his just just life routine at this point. Hanging out on the sideline. He used to come and hang out um, and watch when his kid was playing. Um, And now he just still comes to to hang out and watch. But having that luxury is absolutely fantastic to have extra eyes and an extra brain that just, Mm -hmm. if you have any question as to, hey, you want to, I got to go do this. Can you take a look at that so that I can, Mm -hmm. it's such, such a relief, such a, a, a pressure relief for me. Do you, uh, Particularly for road games, how much do you coordinate with athletic trainers of other schools? Like like you said, there's schools that may split between one or another school, or, or some schools might not have one. Do you kind of know that list of schools that don't have one? Or where, if you're going to a game, particularly football, where, okay, they're not going to have an athletic trainer here. I got to go there to be to ensure that is. I don't know. Maybe your job mandates you to go to every Parsons road football game. So, yeah, I don't that, know that. That's in my contract. That is in the contract between um, Labette Health and, and Parsons High School is that I am um, full-time. I am full-time practices at home and home games and all football games. So regardless of where they're okay. at or what they are, I am traveling. Um, as far as coordination, I do try. So if I know that, uh, you know, Freeman covers a lot of the Southeast Kansas area and a lot of the schools that we play. A lot of the CNC um, schools, CNC's, probably closer yeah. to the Missouri border. Absolutely. Um, so if I know that uh, they have an athletic trainer that's covering, I'll try to, you know, shoot a text over and say, you know, are you going to be there? If I know that they're splitting or if I, you know, are asking if somebody's going, but it doesn't really change my routine all that much um, as far as I'm going to pack everything that I need for my guys. Um, and mm-hmm. it, the only thing that it would change is that, you know, if I know that the athletic trainer is going to be there, I don't have to bring an AED to my sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to bring extra splint, like splints to, for fractures and things. Um, I do try to bring crutches everywhere I go because just in case. But yeah. those are the only things that really changes. My mm-hmm. my list stays about the same regardless of of whether there's somebody going to be somebody else there or not. Yeah, that was what I learned more about AEDs than I probably wanted to when I did my reporting on that. Uh, on that story right after Damar Hamlin. And uh, one thing that was comforting for me to learn was that they're fairly user-friendly where if you're not a total moron, you anybody off the street should be able to pull one of those things off the wall and it's, apply it's, aid. I it's mean, open and look at diagrams and it will walk <laughs> you through. It will verbally walk you through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um the audio is recorded. It is do this. And as soon as it senses that that's done, it moves on to the next thing and the next recording. And as long as you can read and listen or look at a picture and listen to what's going on, you can get through the yeah. next, the operation of an AD. Uh, last thing I got is obviously you were a, uh, you're an athlete at front neck front. I have had a lot of respect for front neck over the years that I've been here. Uh, I remember one of the first stories I did, even for the, uh, for the, LCC softball team here in town, the Lebec Community College softball team, they had like three or four players from Frontenac on one team one year, and that team went to the national tournament. They had a lot of players from Frontenac. Uh, Sam Bonner, I remember, was one of them. Uh, who Nana Fields, I think, was my favorite because she was a first baseman, but she had she was like a cheerleader when she wasn't playing softball. Yep. She would do the splits to get almost every single out at first. And if you ask Ryan Phillips, the softball coach at Labette, he'll straight up tell you, 
we won games because of how she would stretch out to get the ball and get outs at first base. And it was she was fun to watch play. Decent hitter, too. Sam Bonner was a great defensive catcher. Frontneck has been very successful in a lot of sports they've done. I can't remember an off a bad year for Frontneck football since I've been here, and I've been here for nine years. Their bad years are like six wins, yeah. which that's their bad wins. That's peaking for years. Parsons in the last decade. Um, and it, you know their softball program under Cassie Rooms, who's been on this show before. My God, they just can't st- they can't stop winning state, they- league, and regional titles over there. Um, baseball has been very tremendous, and what is a brutal league in the CNC. Coming from that background, you know, what, and I'm kind of curious, what about Frontenac makes it a place that has that type of success? Because it's not like, well, it's not like the student body is sizably bigger or smaller than Parsons or Labette County or a lot of other schools around here. They seem to find a lot of consistent success, though. What's in the water there, so to speak? Um, I think it it goes back to um, just developing relationships long term with, with, just solid groups of, of people. And, you know, you play travel, baseball, basketball, all of the things all the way growing up and through. So when you have that chemistry developed and you're able to put it together with the different groups of classes um, and, and developing relationships, even outside of sports in the hallways and things and, and in classes and that, that really bodes to coming together as a team for a common goal. Um, See, there's not, there's been good athletes, really good athletes that roll through Frontenac, but nobody that's, you know, super standout, made it to the NFL, did all the things. So, um, kind of have to, it's kind of in your brain that you have to come together and do things as a team, or you're just not going to get very far. Brandon Malikas is probably the biggest name to come out of there in the, at least the nine years that I've been here. And the, I'm, you're right. He's not NFL prodigy bound by any stretch of the imagination. He was a very, very accomplished player Fantastic at Pitt State. Fantastic athlete. Oh. He, he was, was a, watching him wrestle literally was run just circles around people. unfair at times. It was just <laughs> unfair at times. Um, and just the story of him going from playing defensive back at Pitt State his freshman year to the spring game, his the his freshman year spring, and they were like, "Well, we're, we're quarterback short. Can you play quarterback?" Can He's like, "Yeah." He ended up starting quarterback his sophomore year at Pitt State because yeah. he did so well in the spring games. He's just this. Yeah, he's that That's- caliber of athlete. Which you don't run across very often, and that that's was, he had a lot of success. That was Brandon Malikas. Oh my goodness, he was fun. The best athletes, the very, very best, the ones that are always fondest in my heart, are the ones that are just fun to watch. He was one of them for he sure. He was one of them. Tanner, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. One thing that you know I, I try to promote, so to speak, is you know it, it's not the. And it's hard for everybody, whether you're, it's hard for everybody, including me. It's hard for me to watch like the Surgeon General or the President or whatever. Give me some message on morals or, or advice or anything like that and me and relate it to myself. You're a source of expertise in your, in your field that is localized and lo- homegrown, so to speak, in terms of Southeast Kansas. And you serve the same region. You serve the same community. And I think it's a, I think you're a vital asset to me. So I, th- I thank you for bringing your voice, your, your, your perspective onto the show. You're welcome anytime, man. I appreciate it. You've been hounding me long enough, so I figured I <laughs> figured I make you make you be quiet for a couple of weeks if I come yeah, on right. here and get it done. So yeah, end of football season, I'll start annoying you again. All right, that's fair. That's a good amount of time. I'll take it. All right, that'll do it for the war room this week. I'm your host Sean Fry. Thank you to Tanner Forrest, the Parsons High School athletic trainer, for coming on. Everybody, stay safe and God bless.